Well, good morning, everyone. It is a custom of mine to start every message with a little story. And uh, anybody who's in a medical profession will probably be able to relate to this one. A doctor and a lawyer were attending a party. And they were just having a good time catching up with each other. When this person came up and just kind of rudely butt in and started asking the doctor medical questions and spent a few minutes asking them, and the doctor told him a few things, and finally the guy left. The doctor was clearly frustrated. He said to the lawyer, every time I go somewhere, if people recognize me as a doctor, they come up and they have all their medical issues and are asking me advice. How in the world do I get this to stop? The lawyer says, I have a solution. Send them a bill. (laughs) The doctor shook his head, and the next day he wrote a bill out for $50 and mailed it to that person. And then the next day, he opened up his mail, and there was a $100 bill from the lawyer for his advice. (laughs) Now, we're doing a stewardship sermon. I'm not suggesting that we go that route in serving one another, but anyway, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll start. Lord, I want to thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for uh, the praise team that got up there and had songs to tie into this very message. And even the uh, bumpers I was coming up front tied into this message. Lord, I pray that I will use uh, your words, your scripture, to speak the truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to start with our passage, and I'm going to read that through. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11 is our main text. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to know, or want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of the tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So let's start with uh, the first part of this passage. Uh, In verse 1, believers are basically told not to be ignorant of the spiritual gifts that they possess. If you don't think you possess spiritual gifts and you're a believer, you do. And we find in verse 2 that the Greek believers, and this uh, scripture said pagans, um, they used to be involved in idolatry before they came to a saving faith in Christ. They worshiped gods that could not speak 
hear, move, or act. So we're going to take a look at uh, two passages of Scripture before we move further into discussing uh, some of the gifts. Um, Psalm 115, verses 5 to 8, points out the futility of worshiping created things. It says, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. And if you think about it, someone who is fashioning an idol to look like a person or an animal, and they're creating all the physical features, but it's a dead object, and it can't do anything. Uh, I was teaching a number of years ago before I got into administration at Grace Brethren in Clinton, and I had two students, and we, we always, uh, when I taught class, because it was a Christian school, I always opened my class either with a word of prayer or a scripture, every day. And, and, uh, and we had morning devotions uh, when we, you know, um, set aside two or three minutes before we did the flag salute and everything in the morning. So my students knew they were in a Christian school. They knew I was a believer. They knew I was sharing my faith and, and, and admonishing them to accept Christ and follow him. And I remember one day there were two girls in my class. I think it was probably at the tail end of class we were done. And I think one of the girls dropped something on the floor and they were looking for it. I asked them what they were looking for. And uh, it was some kind of crystal or something. And I said, is it, is it worth money or something? Is this really valuable? Oh, well, it's got special powers. It's got special powers. And I thought to myself, how sad that they think that this little stone or crystal has some kind of powers. And, and I do want to warn you that we all can be superstitious at times. You know, where, you know, you hear about a Major League Baseball player who won five games pitching, so he wears the same pair of socks, or, you know, it's just, just things like that. We have to be careful that we don't mix in a little bit of idolatry and superstition uh, to our beliefs. Isaiah 44, 9 to 11 talks about the folly of idolatry. All who fashion idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do not profit. Their witnesses neither see nor know that they may be put to shame. Who fashions a god or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all of his companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. Let them all assemble, let them stand forth, they shall be terrified, they shall be put to shame together. And if you continue on with that passage, it goes on to explain that the person who is fashioning the idol out of wood also uses that wood to warm himself with the fire and to cook his food. And then somehow he's going to take the other piece of the tree and make an idol and then bow down and worship the idol. It is futile. It is ridiculous. Verse 3 has what I, what I call a little bit of a warning. If anyone claims to believe and follow God, but they curse Jesus, they cannot possibly be speaking by the Spirit of God. And folks, this is the common element of all the false religions in the world. I can't tell you how many times I have heard different world religions say, they believe in God 
and we all believe in the same God, and we all have different paths to reach him. No, there's only one path, Jesus Christ. He's the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. And we have to be careful of that. And anyone who proclaims that Jesus Christ is God is doing that because the Spirit of God, the living God, is prompting them to do it. God's not going to contradict himself. So let's get into um, the different gifts. I, I liked um, what Courtney said earlier today. Um, there is a scripture that talks about parts of the body. And every one of us really plays a different part in helping the body to function. You know, the nose has a function, ears do, hands do, feet do. Um, so let's take a look at these different things. Uh, starting in verse 6, we have different kinds of service. The King James Version says differences in administration. And the common denominator here is that we have the same Lord that is leading us in that particular gift. In verse 7, it is called the manifestation of the Spirit. And this is used for the common good of the ministry. Uh, here at Grace Church in Waldorf, we believe based on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that each person, once they are saved, is given at least one gift that can be used in ministry. At least one gift. Some people are totally blessed with more than one gift that they can use. Um, I'm, I'm a guy that loves basketball. Um, I've watched some of these players that are magnificent. Um, I wish that I could get up there and dunk and shoot from 30 feet and do all that stuff. Um, I have a gift, but it's not the same level as what they have. And we have to be careful because let's say that we only have one measly gift and someone else has three or four. We shouldn't be jealous of that. We should be rejoicing that they're given different abilities to have even maybe a greater outreach than we do. But once again, we're part of one body and we are all working together. Another gift is the word of knowledge or the message of knowledge. And this comes from sound theology, from a sound understanding of the scripture. And I want to tell you, as one of the nine elders that are serving at this church and filling the pulpit on occasion, what we intend to bring every Sunday is sound biblical teaching teaching that is without error, teaching that does not mislead. And obviously, if we ever step across the line, it's up to you as a congregation to say, um, I need a little clarification on that. And we want to make sure we stay in, grounded in biblical truth. In verse 9, there is the mention of two spiritual gifts. There is the gift of faith, which is placing one's beliefs into action. So let me talk a little bit about that. In this particular passage, the gift of faith is not a saving faith. And the reason I say that is that this is written to believers. So we already assume that that person that this is being written to has the spiritual gift of faith and the fact that they have trusted Christ as their Savior. This type of faith is one 
that guides a Christian's actions and beliefs. So it's great if you've been saved and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, but there needs to be another step to this. Faith without works is dead. We know what the Scripture says about that. So this one is guiding a Christian's actions and beliefs. So let's keep that in mind as, uh, as we go through this message. Uh, another gift is the gift of healing. Now, I want to make sure that I stick to the biblical text and I'm not going to be exerting a lot of opinions. I don't want to uh, cause divisions here. I just want to look at what the Bible has to say about this. When Jesus was alive on the earth, a lot of his ministry was committed to healing people supernaturally. There were people that could not speak. There were people that could not hear. There were people that were blind. There were people that were demon-possessed. There were people that had deformities of their hands or feet. And he came in and he miraculously healed these people. Now, he did it as part of his ministry because he wanted people to recognize that he was the Messiah. That same power was given to disciples when they went out and they preached in the towns and villages. And then even after Christ was crucified and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, the disciples were able to do miraculous things in the early church, to do healings. And I, I believe what the pattern here is when the gospel is going out across the world to places where it has never been known, there seems to be more of a miraculous taking place. I've heard from missionaries uh, from third world countries that they've witnessed some miraculous healings. The bottom line here is that when somebody is healed, whether it's a miracle in a third world country or if it's a miracle here, people in the church have prayed and someone's been healed from cancer or an ailment, the credit goes to God. The credit goes to the Holy Spirit for the healing. And we ultimately recognize that one day, uh, if Christ doesn't come back and rapture the church and we live out our lives, we're all going to get old and we're all going to pass away. And... That healing is the ultimate healing. Um, there's a former, uh, I have two former students, brother and sister. Their dad was in prison fellowship ministry for many, many years in this area. Uh, they retired and moved to Pennsylvania. He is on his deathbed right now. But even though they're mourning the fact that he only has maybe hours or days left to live, they're rejoicing in the fact that they know that he's going to go meet his Savior, that he's going to be healed from his age and his infirmities. In fact, they, they propped him up, and they were singing hymns. And he was moving, even though he can't speak now, he was moving his lips. So there will be an ultimate healing one day, okay? If it happens now, great, it's a miracle. We give praise to God. And if not, the believer's going to be in heaven and have uh, a healed body. In verse 10, there are five different gifts mentioned. This one is really, really packed. Uh, the first one we have is the working of miracles. Uh, an example of this is found in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas were being held captive in prison because they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even though they were in chains, they were singing hymns and everything else. Then the Lord sent an earthquake, and the earthquake broke the chains and locks, and they escaped from the prison. And, of course, the guard uh, on his watch, he could, he could face execution uh, because of this. 
But anyway, to make a long story short, because they were able to escape and because the guard heard them praising God, and I'm sure they were witnessing to him, that same night, the guard and his entire family came to Jesus Christ as their Savior. That was a miracle. It was caused by an earthquake first, but let's remember that they were planting the seed of the gospel as they were in that prison cell, and the guard heard that, and it changed his heart. He became a believer. That same miracle occurs today when people who have, are different stages of life. Sometimes we see a young child with child-life faith accept Christ. We have people in here who accepted Christ as teenagers, some as young adults, some in their middle age, and even some in their senior years. Um, when I was preparing this message, it reminded me of a passage from Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew chapter 20, the owner of, a, I believe, a vineyard was calling his workers in to work that day. And he hired the first group of workers first thing in the morning and said, I'll give you a denarius, one day's worth of wage. Then he needed some more workers. So at the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and then even at the final hour of the day, he hired some people. So when it came time to get their wages, the people who were hired first thing in the morning figured this guy's paying the people that were hired at the end of the day and worked an hour. He's paying them a denarius. We're probably going to get six or seven or 10 or 12 denarius. And they didn't. They got the same thing. And of course, you know, the owner of the vineyard was saying, didn't I agree to pay you a certain wage? Yes. And whether I hired you first thing or last thing, it's my right to pay you that wage. When I read that passage and I began to expound upon it, and, I, and then I read some other sources, my hunch was right, because really this is a picture of the kingdom of God. You see, there are some people that accept Christ as a child in childlike faith, and then there are some people that accept them at the last minute. You know what the reward is? Eternal life. It's the same. It's the same. We shouldn't be jealous. Um, and of course, God's going to reward us based on what we've done here on earth. But the greatest reward is eternal life. And I would just say to you that if you know some older people who have hardened hearts, you keep praying for them. You keep witnessing to them because there are some in this congregation who came to accept Christ as senior citizens. And we should never, ever forget that. The gift of prophecy. Let's talk a little bit about the gift of prophecy. When someone prophesies it has to be done according to what is scriptural. There are unfulfilled prophecies right now from the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, we're still waiting for the, for the rapture of the church to, to occur. And there are prophecies we're waiting for. But if someone goes out and starts prophesizing and they start saying that the Holy Spirit has told them things that are simply not biblical, that person is a false prophet. The people in the Old Testament were given warnings that if a person prophesied and their prophecy didn't come true, that they were false prophets. And this happened, by the way, with some of the kings. They had prophets come and say, oh, the Syrians aren't going to invade us. We're going to be fine. Nope, they weren't fine. And they ridiculed the prophet who was speaking the truth. So anyway, we have these warnings given not to be false prophets. Old Testament, again, even in Revelation 22, that we're not to add words to Scripture. We're not to take away words from Scripture. Next, we have um, the ability to distinguish between different types of spirits. And here's what I would add to that. If you know the Scriptures and you know the God of the Scriptures, 
you're going to be able to distinguish between the spirits. If a spirit is saying something false, you are going to know it because you are grounded in the word of God and you have a relationship with your Savior. And by the way, this is what makes it easy for us as Christians to, to identify the counterfeits, those who preach a false gospel, those who lead a cult. It becomes very evident because all you have to do is listen to them and find out that they're either speaking this, uh, they're adding to the scripture taken away or adding their own, I had a dream last night and this is what's going to happen. Next we have um, various tongues. And this, uh, this can cause uh, some division among believers. Um, I was on a mission trip in Guatemala and we were working with some uh, ministers from um, Charismatic Church. And during one of the services, they started speaking in tongues. We even had a couple of our students that got up and started speaking in tongues. Now, I was already at a loss because I don't speak Spanish. And we were in Guatemala where they speak Spanish. And I was trying to learn a few words and trying to listen to the missionary as he was speaking. But anyway, this just went on for like 15 or 20, 20 minutes. I want to go back to Acts chapter 2, to the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the Jewish, the Jewish people from different countries, and there were many tongues being spoken that morning. And... People from the different countries, the Jewish people from the different countries began to recognize that they were hearing their own language being spoken. And these were the tongues or languages that they heard. The, uh, the, Parth the Parthians, the Medes, the Edomites, the Mesopotamians, the Judeans, the Cappadocians, those from Pontus, from Asia, um, Phygeria, uh, Pamphylians, Egyptians, Libyans, Romans, Cretans, and Arabs. The tongue that they were hearing was their native language so that when they were preaching the gospel, God allowed the spirit to come upon the people and he opened up their ears so that they would hear the message in their native tongue. And what was the result of that? 3,000 people became believers that day from all over the world, the Jewish believers that had assembled there. So what I would mention is this. There has to be an interpreter for the person speaking in tongues. If there's not an interpreter, it doesn't build up the body of Christ. So the next thing I want to mention is that who gets the credit for any of the gifts that we possess as believers? Well, all are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions the gifts to individuals according to his will. So God is pretty much determined that you're going to get one gift and you're going to get another one and you're going to get two over here because he's God. He's the creator. Now I label 1 Peter 4.10 as the core or the main point of today's message. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. That's the heart of the message, and we're going we're to continue with that thought uh, as we go through. Remember that we all have at least one gift, and we're to use it, we're to be good stewards of that gift, and we're to use it. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road, and I'm going to read to you a passage, and I believe that everyone in here can relate to this message. Matthew 21, 28, 31, it's Jesus speaking. What do you think? 
a man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and he went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the crowd that Jesus was preaching to, they said the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Um, Let's get back to these two sons. I'm going to be honest with you and admit this, and I think if you're honest with yourself, you probably have been in my shoes. There have been times when I've been given an opportunity and I say yes, and then I don't follow through. And there have been other times when I said, nope, nope, not going to do it. And then the Holy Spirit starts working on my heart, and then I turn around and I I do it. So in that case, I'm kind of like both sons. And what I would say to you today is this. Why don't we take the trait, the best trait from each son? The willingness to serve and then the actual follow-through, the actual obedience. That's, that's the struggle. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's why we're sitting here today listening to this message. Because God wants us to serve and he wants us to have the proper attitude. I would like to conclude today's message with some encouragement. I know when anybody preaches, sometimes you can feel that you're, you get hit over the head with a hammer, but I really want to use this as a point to encourage everybody who is in here. Um, about two and a half years ago, I retired as being the director of Grace Brethren Christian School uh, in Clinton, Maryland. I had been at that school for 35 years and been at the church for 43, and we came here when I retired, and we began to worship. And as we came in and we began to worship here, we noticed that a lot of different people in this church were active in ministry. And what I'd like to do today to finish this message is I would like to recognize some of these ministries. Now, I am human, and I am forgetful, and I may not have included everything. So if I don't mention your particular ministry, I ask for your forgiveness up front. It doesn't diminish what you're doing. I think I will probably capture about 90% or more of what we're doing here. And when I mention these ministries, they are not ranked in any particular order, the most important to the least important. Basically, I sat down and just started to think through the things that this church is doing, and I began to write them down. So they're in no particular order. During the spring, summer, and fall, there are a group of guys that come up here and they work on this campus. They mow the lawn, they do trimming, they do repairs outside. One of our members last year spent a lot of his own money buying asphalt sealer and getting the machine that melt the asphalt and went across this humongous parking lot, sealing the cracks, and then went back and did it again to cover some more to preserve a parking lot. One day we hope to get this paved and it's gonna cost a lot of money, but to keep the parking lot preserved, this individual did this. 
We just came through the Christmas season. There were a group of people that came up here and they decorated this church for Christmas. And they didn't stop there because when the Christmas season was over, they had to come back and they had to take down all the decorations. Then they had to put them all away. I found out that there's a little attic over here where a lot of that stuff is stored. We have some cooks that come in once a month on Saturday mornings to prepare a great meal for the men's prayer breakfast. And I want to stress something. It's a men's prayer breakfast. Men, we usually get about 25 people there, and they make food for 50 or 60 people there. So men, let's start coming up on Saturday mornings enjoying a great breakfast. Some of these guys are coming in at 6.30 in the morning to start that so we can eat at 9 o'clock. And then we sit down and we pray for the needs of the church. And we also had a group of people just on New Year's Eve that came in and they set the gym up and they cooked a wonderful breakfast, just as good as the men's breakfasts are on Saturday mornings. And then people stayed around and they helped clean up the food and clean up, put the tables and chairs away. It is great. There are a number of outreach ministries that we have. Uh, there's a Good News Bible Club that's about to begin in two Charles County schools, elementary schools. Arthur Shepherd had a meeting the other night. There were about 30 people that showed up for that meeting. I don't know if that fills all the positions, but if you're interested in working with children's ministries, see Elder Arthur Shepherd. Uh, there's a Boys Village outreach. Dennis mentioned this this morning. They're over at Boys Village ministering right, right now. There are five or six people from our church to go. They go once a month. And over Christmas, they presented 50 gift packages. And I believe that every one of those packages not only had some goodies in it, but the Holy Scriptures for the boys and the girls and their families. Um, there's a Bible study that takes place on Monday nights after the men get done playing basketball. I've been up here playing basketball now for about the last year and a half. And we play till about 8.30, 29, and then there is a message given. We had 37 men show up for basketball the other night, and probably half of them are unbelievers, and they had a chance to sit down and hear the gospel. The logistics of this were a little crazy. We had to have six teams with six players on each team. You play five, and we were running sideways, and then we had to have a rotation where two teams had to sit out for 10 minutes until the next game started. And then we had this rotation. So we have two men that lead that Bible study every Monday night after basketball. We have some local missionaries we support. We have foreign missionaries we support. We have pastors in this area that we support. One of them is a Hispanic pastor from Cuba that was there down there and was in prison and persecuted. And we minister with him. This past year, we had four adult Sunday school classes a men's Bible study on Wednesdays, two women's Bible studies during the week, women's social and ministry events, men's social and ministry events, Awana, youth group, children's church, nursery, and by the way, I hear we can always use a few more nursery workers, a Sunday evening class about the persecuted church around the world, and there are probably one or two that I'm not even aware of. We have a Christian school here, Grace Christian Academy, that goes from preschool to eighth grade. There is a school board of four men that oversee the operation of that school. They have meetings throughout the year. They sometimes even have a long meeting for uh, strategic planning. 
So these men pour their time in to help and to oversee the, the school so it runs smoothly and it ministers to the youth that are coming in. Not only do they get the academics, they get the spiritual training and preparation. We have work days that we sponsor here where men, women, boys, and girls come out. They do yard work. They do repairs in the building and grounds. This is aside from the guys that are regular during the summer. Some come up on their own to do some repairs as needed on the building. And then I want to mention that we had a group of volunteers that came last year and they renovated the youth room. They spent many, many hours of physical labor in there so we would have a, a room for our youth to meet. And there were people that gave donations to that. Even twice a year, we have a group of volunteers that go down to Billingsley Road and just pick up the trash and try to make the roads more attractive. The last two years, we've had a food truck fair here. And we have people that organize that, that call the food trucks up and ask them to come out, find out what trucks can come, what can't. Uh, they do some setup here, tables, chairs, set the parking lot up, you know, sh show the people where they're going to park. We have parking volunteers that are parking hundreds and hundreds of cars during the day. Then, of course, that all has to be taken down. And another thing that we also did besides the food trucks, we had groups of people go out this fall and hand out thousands of invitations to our community to invite people to come out to our church. The purpose of the food truck was to get people acquainted with our ministry. The purpose of handing out these flyers was the same. Folks, even if you don't have a, you think you don't have some kind of great spiritual gift, just the willingness to come out and do it, that's a gift. That's a gift. We have a group of nine elders. We meet, we plan, we oversee the ministries. We pray together. We spend many, many hours in meetings and communicating through emails and texts. I thought when I retired and left it, that being a school administrator, I wouldn't have to answer emails anymore. Was I wrong on that? Uh, I also made the mistake of um, I was doing an update on the emails on my phone and found out now it gives me the new notifications throughout the day. So I get the text beeps, and I get the email beeps, and anyway, I, I keep pretty busy, and the elders do as well. Um, we try to keep up with the needs of the church. We visit those who are ill, who are in need of prayer, who are in need of counseling. And of course, for the last two years, we've been up here filling the pulpit because we are still looking for our teaching pastor. On top of that, we've had a review team when we've been given candidates through this organization, ASSIST, We've had a team that have studied these candidates. They've called up their references, they've watched their sermons, and they've done a lot of, they've looked at social media, they've done a lot of work. We, the, the review team has pretty much been in agreement with elders. We haven't found the right person yet, and we're going to continue that search. We have a team of deacons, or probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 deacons in this church that oversee various ministries within our congregation. As the Lord has blessed some with higher incomes, Dennis is going to talk a little bit about the stewardship of giving next week, but as some people have been blessed, they have been generous givers. Last year, somebody uh, contributed an anonymous gift that gave Grace Academy teachers a nice little Christmas bonus. We had carpet tiles donated to the youth room. Uh, we had a, a huge gift that is helping us re replace uh, HVAC units in the building that need to be done. And overall, I would say this, we have a giving congregation. For the size of our congregation, we do a lot of giving. We have music ministry here. People offer their musical talents and their singing voices every Sunday to lead praise and worship in our service. 
And we have a bell choir that comes in several times a year on special occasions where they come up here and they practice on Saturday mornings and they work on that to put together a great performance at the, for Easter and for Christmas. We have those who help with drama and with skits, with giving their personal testimonies, and we're going to hear one at the very end of the service here, how to get, uh, the Lord has uh, helped them overcome addictions, help them to forgive family members who sinned against them in the past, and help them with an assortment of other issues, too many to speak about this morning. We have those that are faithful here every Sunday morning that help to set up the sound, the lighting, the videos, and they do this for services and special events. When I, when I preach, I got to get hooked up with the mic, I got to you know, get the little clicker, make sure I'm clicking through that and doing all that. We have those who come on other occasions than the men's prayer breakfast when we have special church dinners. And once again, cooking, uh, setting up, cleaning up after these dinners, and we're going to enjoy a great dinner for Jim Gartner's 100th uh, birthday next week. We have life group leaders who open up their homes to minister to other families in their group, to study the scriptures together, and to form friendships. We have those that are out front every Sunday morning, shaking people's hands, welcoming them to our church, directing them where to send their children during the church hour so that they can come in and worship with us, handing out bulletins, doing all these things. We have nursery and toddlers and children's church ministers who take care of the little ones so their parents can attend the morning service. And then we have those who, once again, visit the sick and the infirmed, who comfort those who have lost loved ones, who even have to conduct funerals on occasions. And what are the common elements here? The common elements are we have the Lord Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit, giving people the gifts and abilities and directing them to use those for all the different ministries that we have right here in our church and even outside of our church. And a challenge to you would be this. If you are not currently involved, would you consider using one of your gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you to serve and to join one of these ministries? I would like to now invite uh, Courtney Dixon to come up and give a testimony. I'm going to pray as she's coming up, and she's going to give a share of testimony with us. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this church and how it's committed to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world and how all the people are using their gifts and abilities for this ministry. And I want to pray just for a few more today that they will say yes to your calling and get involved in these ministries. Bless Courtney as she shares her testimony. In Jesus' name, amen.